The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So... Go to podsurvey.com slash goodfootball and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash goodfootball. G-O-O-D-F-O-O-T-B-A-L-L. Thanks for your help. We are back and welcome to NBC Sports Edge's not DFS building block show. I didn't plan that one out. I am your host, still John Daigle, joined by friends in life and four for four football fame and Betsports fame. None other than Connor Allen to my left or right, depending where you're viewing the screen. And then below, Pano, Joe Pano, friend who was smarter than Connor and decided to also put his Twitter handle on there if you want to try and change that up, Connor. Nonetheless, <laughs> Both of you are here because the fun does not stop just because we are in the playoffs. We are now moving on to playoff fantasy content. And you are both here because you both have had success. Connor, to start off with, just for a little audio loop here, how did your season go? How are you feeling now that 18 weeks, the longest season ever, some some are calling it, is finally through? Uh, What's going through your mind nowadays that the playoffs are about to begin? Yeah, I mean, that was... You know, the longest season ever. I don't know. Do you check how many times you tweeted that? I feel like that was just like a recurring, especially towards the end of the season. It was like, you know, multiple times a week where you were doing hashtag longest season ever. It's a massive Um, hashtag at this point. It is. But I mean, yeah, it's like trending all over Twitter. Um, But no, for me, I mean, it's been, it was a good year. Betting went really well. Um, Won about like 40 units, something like that on the season. So it was was a solid season uh, with mostly player props. Um, Fantasy. Was great as I mean, as you know, me and you were live for the main event uh, for, our, for our main event in the going ahead in the final week. We're in the top thirty. Um, unfortunately, though, my sweet prince Jalen Waddle let me down in uh, the when we needed it most. So it was sad. I promoted it on every cross show I was on that we still had a live bullet in the big main event entry. 28th overall heading into the final weekend, and then everyone, of course, got so excited for me and us and asked how we did. And when I went back on the show in week 18, and I said, well, we went backwards. We somehow, not only did we not advance, we somehow went backwards in the final week and uh, watched our money drop significantly. Nonetheless, it was fun. Pano, you, of course, are also Connor's partner in the main event and in these fantasy playoff contests we're about to discuss as well. So how did your season go? Uh, How are you doing overall? 
And, uh, the season went well at first, and then it just kind of tanked in the playoffs. Once we got to the fantasy playoffs, it yeah. just kind of tanked. Had a hit a string of bad luck, and really some of the strongest teams that we had just kind of tanked. Um, but, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Um, and, uh, you know, did pretty well otherwise. So um, we're excited to, to kick off the playoff challenge because that's, that's just a really fun tournament. So excited to dig into that. Rustin asks, where can we find a playoff league? I can't find one on one particular site. And Ruxton, you're in luck because that's where we're going right now. Is we are going to talk about the FFPC playoff leagues. Connor, would you like to do the honor in breaking down the, pretty much the format here? And I will go ahead and pull up the rules while you're doing so. Yeah, so essentially uh, this is – the one we're going to be talking about today is through the FFPC. Uh, this is – something that uh, we've been playing for a couple of years now. It's basically, if there's a $200 or $35 entry fee, um, you get to pick one player from every single team. Um, you start a total of 12 players. Uh, so that means that you'll be sitting out actually two teams. You'll not be playing any players from, but essentially you're starting one player from each team and you don't set a lineup every week or anything. You just pick them at the beginning. And then from there, whoever scores the most points throughout the playoffs, uh, as you can see, wins five hundred thousand, um, you know, up to five hundred thousand, and is still paid out uh, decently up to the top twenty there for this. So, um, you know, Joe and I had success. I think it was two years ago in, in this league. Uh, we were able to, you know, nab Raheem Mostert in his four four touchdown, two hundred yard game as a super low owned guy, um, and that propelled us to the top spot. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's some, we'll talk about more of the strategy later, but I'd say that's the basics of the league. It's otherwise standard FFPC scoring, so PPR, tight end premium. Um, and then the, the starting format is a little bit wonky compared to other like fantasy formats, but it's just to, so that you get to play as many players as possible from the teams. What makes this interesting is that this is the $200 prize format I am showing. Uh, first place, big, big 500K prize. Um, we should also mention in the rules that Super Bowl – if your players make the Super Bowl, get double points, which is why it's essential to try to nail the teams that continue on, not only so you maximize the games you get out of them, but so you maximize the point as well that you get out of them. And then, of course, four flexes. Remember that FFPC, and people are asking, where do we play? Well, myffpc.com will host both of these contests. FFPC is tied in premium, which also makes it interesting this year in particular because unlike past years, we kind of brought all the big dog tight ends to the playoffs. Uh, choosing between tight ends this year is it's super tough between Rob Gronkowski, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, perhaps without Tyreek Hill for a few games. Uh, and if, even if you want to go below that, Darren Waller, Dalton Schultz, the list goes on and on. So how many tight ends and which ways to go in pivoting off running backs and wide receivers to the respective team's tight ends is going to be an entering the interesting conversation as we move along here. And then also, as you mentioned, for the first time, I believe, they did FFPC created the more the cheaper one without a flatter payout, more like GPP payout, $35 entry. And as you can see here, you can still get your $35 FFPC league credit for coming in from 2000 up, but then also still a hundred K first prize, more like a GPP where we start reaching 1500 at 20th overall. So tough to get there, but still, if you're going to want to play two or three, to sort of maximize and just make your lineups versatile. I actually think it's better to just play like a handful of $35 entries as opposed to 
you know, one, $200, if that's your choice, but either way, super interesting. And Peno, I'm curious since y'all have had success in this, well, one, we didn't think about this and we probably should have done it not on national championship night. Uh, that's what happens when you start scheduling things three weeks in advance. <laughs> you don't think about these items, but also like, where does your mind go with overall strategy? Like, where do you start in a contest like this where you know you get contrarian, but unlike GPPs and DFS, the pool isn't like 300 players. No one's going down for Byron Pringle in this contest, right? Like the, right. the conversation is really like Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, or CEH. Maybe a kicker since you have to get there as well. But like no one's going down for these cheap tight ends. So really, we're only talking about a pool of like 60 players as opposed to, you know, 300 or whatever you have on a normal DFS weekend. Yeah, there's some there's some cool things with this tournament that are a little bit different. And I think th- I think the biggest thing is is you can't you can't really get too cute, but you gotta really take a stand on um, your convictions on like who you think is gonna go is it gonna advance, and if it's gonna be a one and done type of situation, you wanna you wanna kind of nail the upside play, kind of find some spots for leverage. I think um, I think when we won, uh, kind of correct me if I'm wrong, we had like Lamar was the favorite highest known quarterback. We pivoted to like Patrick Mahomes. Um, and of course, we nailed the Raheem Mostert. I think we took Andrews at tight end as our Raven, I believe. Um, so you kind of, you kind of got to figure out where you where you really stand, how you see it going, and just kind of uh, make a stand there and make a couple pivots. But um, you know, obviously, probably sixty five percent of people are going to have Kelsey or 60 percent. I don't know, and so you're not going to necessarily win a you know just hard fade you know, necessarily Kelsey, he's going to be high owned, but he's, he's high owned for a reason, you know, so you just got to kind of nail like your conviction plays and stuff like that. Pick, pick a couple spots to kind of use some leverage. Any other thoughts expanding on that, Connor, about your overall strategy when you jump into these formats? Uh, I think Pano said a lot of it there, but yeah, it's just like, you know, for us kind of like projecting ownership, like a lot like DFS, but uh, I think that this is, you know, people don't do this that often. So it's like DFS, I feel like the projections, ownership projections are pretty good. Um, for like us heading into last year, I think that there were some just like massive discrepancies in like kind of what people thought the ownership was going to be versus what it ended up being. Um, because like essentially since you're only able to pick from one team, like you have to understand like sort of the Chiefs, Chiefs for example, like, you know, Mahomes, Tyreek and Kelsey, you know, like you have to pick one of them, obviously, but like understanding which one's going to be the highest owned, which one you think presents the best matchup, you know, like in the future, like kind of projecting those types of things, um, I think can kind of help determine, you know, your strategy. And then for me and, and Joe, like basically what we do is we break down like on our by ourselves, you know, we limit the player pool to guys that we really like uh, personally. And then him and I go back and forth for a couple hours usually you know, about like why we like these guys, what we think, like what their ownership is going to be. And then kind of like try and find a few, like, like Joe said, conviction guys that we, you know, we like, and then uh, go from there. I would also note that in most cases, since you have to eliminate two teams, we are not using two teams. uh, You sort of start thinking about which teams everyone else is going to fade. And then also maybe play a kicker, maybe play a high upside wide receiver. For instance, last year, because there are situations right now, even thinking about it, where players are going to be really close together. So everyone's trying to think, which is the which is the player do you suck up and take the chalk that's 20% more rostered, or the other guy hoping for the best. Uh, right now, for instance, like A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, I think, and we don't have projected ownership just yet, but A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, I think, are going to be really close. 
uh, Derrick Henry, probably everyone leaning on since, like we said, the Titans are strong in this format this year. The running backs are slightly weaker, especially since we lost Jonathan Taylor yesterday, who was going to garner, you know, oh, yeah. 90% plus ownership. Now it's everyone's talking about Henry or AJ Brown pivots. But like last year, Juju Smith-Schuster was 10% rostered, and he outscored Chase Claypool in the first round as an underdog. Uh, that was the Pittsburgh elimination game against Cleveland. But even then, he was in the perfect lineup, actually, if you constructed like the highest scores from that format. He was in the perfect lineup, but he was not in the winning lineup. Chase Claypool, who was 13% rostered, so 3% more, scored just slightly fewer fantasy points. 56 yards, two touchdowns, was in the winning lineup. It was not mine. I had Claypool. I did not have the correct format around him. Uh, I also, when I start looking at this format initially, I kind of go to upsets, right? Since, you know, the wild card round, it, it seems simple, but only 12 point, there's only a 12.4% chance that the higher, that the higher seeds, like the optimal seeds move on. Thus, we know upsets are going to happen. And so automatically, if you're taking like the chalk or the best players from the higher seeds, you're probably incorrect already. And so I start looking at that and I start thinking, okay, who are the touch hogs at running back that could carry us in upsets. Uh, two years ago, it was Dalvin Cook, recall, in that upset over the Saints, maybe three years ago now, and then upset over the Saints. Um, last year, it was Nick Chubb and Cam Akers who pretty much broke this format. And so this year, when I start thinking about like some of my favorite contrarian plays, and particularly at running back, Cam Akers did ruin Sony Michelle for getting the touchdown equity over Cooper Cup. We'll have that conversation in a bit. But right now, I kind of think about uh, Miles Sanders for the first one because I think the I think the Eagles, while I still like them to cover plus nine and a half last I looked, I like the over in that game as well. I do think they're sneakily live dogs. I don't want to bet against the Bucks, but I think that there's there could be an upset brewing. It is the Eagles over the Bucks, given that the Bucks' rush defense has been so poor in the second half of the season. Even if we take away quarterback carry since they have played Josh Allen and a couple other names that run the ball a lot in that stretch. They're still bottom five and percentage of 10 plus yard carries allowed to running backs in the league over the second half of the season from week nine on. So I do think they're exploitable on the ground and we know what the Eagles are going to do. We have to wait and see, of course, if Miles Sanders comes back. I also think Joe Mixon is a good pivot, not so much in an upset spot over the Ravers since the Bengals are the favorites, but we know Zach Taylor will donkey from time to time. And we saw this matchup earlier this year and they gave Joe Mixon 30 carries and Bengals running backs got 32 carries to 29 passes for, for Joe Burrow, who finished with 140 yards. So not really impactful. And then also, uh, if you want to, if you can sort out the Patriots backfield, I think the Patriots could very easily upset the Bills since the Patriots really, you know, going back to Christmas, the Bills won. They did go for the fourth most the most fourth downs in any game. They finally got aggressive and tried to win. Uh, before that Monday night, that crazy game between the Chargers and Raiders. But the Bills were aggressive and overall. But Patriots could still absolutely hang and upset the Bills here. So that's kind of where I start, honestly, with all of these teams and picking between players. Interesting. Yeah, I like I like those those calls a lot. I would like to add uh, a guy like Elijah Mitchell to the mix there, yep. uh, who's going to come in probably lower owned than Kittle and Debo, I would say almost certainly. Um, and you know, when he's been healthy, he's been getting just like, I mean, 17 plus carries essentially like every game that he's healthy, 
Uh, I know the only concern is that they're like four point dogs right now uh, in the opening round or th- uh, three point dogs right now in the opening round to the Cowboys. But at the same time, like you want to talk about guys who can carry a team to an upset, like as three point dogs, I think Elijah Mitchell is more than capable of doing that against the Dallas team, which I think that all of us have plenty of questions about, uh, even though they look good sporadically, they've also had their, you know, pitfalls at certain points. So I, I think that I'd like to add his name to the mix there, but otherwise I thought that was a good list. It's, it's also uh, just a good matchup, honestly, for the 49ers. Kind of a nightmare for the Cowboys since mm-hmm. their one their one strength is their like defensive pass rush. And Garoppolo, of course, playing far more from shotgun rather than under center over the second half of the season. And I'm um, still getting the ball out at a top five rate. So pass rush really doesn't matter for Garoppolo. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do like the 49ers. I like the Elijah Mitchell call. Uh, George Kittle and Debo Samuel will probably be the toss-up. I imagine they come in incremental incrementally different. Uh, both terrific options, even with Garoppolo under center. Uh, for you, Pano, though, players in particular, microanalysis, is there someone when you're trying to build, sorting through the tight ends, sorting through the running backs we listed, the receiver pivots, are there one or two players that like jump off the page and stand out for you since you and Connor are actually, interesting enough, haven't had this conversation yet? So now's your chance to start the argument. Yeah, I kind of – and I'm really looking through – I'm having a hard time with um, the Cowboys um, – or the Cardinals right now, I think I like Ertz in the flex a lot. Um, he's been just a target monster. I think he's had, like, I don't know, um, four games where he's had – the last four games he's had plus, let's see. He's essentially led their team in targets, yeah, without DeAndre Yeah, he's, yeah. Been, he's been huge. And then, obviously, tight end premium, that's pretty big. I don't have – I don't really feel like the Cardinals are going to advance. I, I don't know. I'm not really sure – um, about that one, but I like Ertz. I like getting exposure to Ertz there, even if it's just one game. I have a, a lot of conviction on man. I, I I really kind of I really like the Bengals quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could. I think in the AFC something could be uh, they could kind of sneaky sneakily get to the maybe the championship, you know, conference championship or something like that. So I I kind of like the the Bengals, and I'm trying to figure out how, what what way to gain exposure you can go. You can go um, Chase or Higgins, or you can go Burrow. You know who's arguably one of the uh, probably the best quarterback in the AFC at the moment. You could make a strong case for that. So I'm kind of trying to figure out how to gain exposure uh, there. You know, Chase could have a big game. Higgins could have a big game. Burrow is probably going to have you know big game. I wonder where Burrow comes in since everyone you know will try to be. I still think Josh Allen's going to be the highest rostered. Um, mm-hmm. Evan Singletary also a in my opinion a really strong pivot. But if no one's going to go Bert Mahomes or go Kelsey instead, rather than choosing between Chase and Higgins, that could be the difference. But also maybe getting exposure to both via Burrow, especially like, you know, in this first round, it matters beyond this first round. But remember, when they played the Raiders, who literally just only play cover three and don't change their profile up whatsoever, like Tyler Boyd led the team with a 27% target share because he's more of a zone threat. That's where he gets his targets settling in the zone. And so, like, Rather than trying to pick between these two, why don't you just get exposure to everyone and go Joe Burrow? So I don't think that'll be a play for a lot. It's probably going to be an under-rostered way to construct lineups. And I think that's definitely interesting. Yeah, I think that I think the Bengals are actually probably one of the biggest decision points like of uh, of the maybe of the slate uh, because right like they they open up the week they open up the the playoffs against the Raiders uh, six point favorites. I think that they win. I still I like them at minus six. I think that they're just the better team. The Raiders are. Uh, fluky at best, you know, um, but then, so they win that game, right? We expect Kansas city to take care of business against the Steelers as 12 and a half point favorites. So really you're looking at 
Um, they'll either play that at that point, the Titans or the Chiefs. It all depends on whether New England, Buffalo, like if Buffalo takes care of business against New England. So, but either way, in either of those scenarios, like the Bengals already beat the Chiefs once this year. I think the Titans are one of the weakest number one seeds in NFL history, um, at least in, in my lifetime. Uh, so, I, right. I mean, like, I think the Bengals have a good chance of two, maybe three games here. So, right. like, getting that right, uh, or at least like having the proper exposure, I think is really important. So, having Burrow there, I think it's an awesome look. I think Chase is going to come in super highly owned. Uh, that's just my thing. Just solely because of name value and because of how well he's played. But I think that like Burrow and Higgins are probably my two favorite plays on the, I mean, obviously I love Chase and we have him, we had him on like almost every team this year, Payno. but you know, I just think that after the season he had and everything uh, you know, like it might be wiser to go with Higgins or Burrow. Well, think about, think about it. You got, you got Chase and Higgins who probably chases, you know, the sexier name. They'll probably, he'll probably be higher owned, but Higgins probably comes in not, not too much lower. I mean, he shouldn't, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So so if Higgins is lower, then maybe he's probably a little bit better leverage play there. But still, like I said, Burrow, if they keep advancing, uh, Burrow, they both probably have big games at one point. You know what I mean? Uh, Chase and Higgins. So mm-hmm. Burrow's the option there. And I, I could I could see them making the Super Bowl, honestly. I mean, um, they could they could make a run. Or, or, I mean, Dago brought up a good point, though. Like, Mixon, like, imagine if they play the Raiders and then the Titans and Mixon's able to get, like, 20-something carries in both those games. Like, uh, right. I mean, he's in a really, really good spot. And that, I think yeah. it's more than viable because the Titans, I, I really, again, I don't really think they're that good. I think that that's, like, he, the Bengals he, can easily win that. He is, but if they if they go on a, a serious run, I think I think that over time you're, you're going to see the Bengals lean on, on Burrow. I think, you know, they – tried to protect them earlier on in the season you could see them you know running the ball playing slower and stuff like that but when they had to play you know good high scoring teams maybe not the titans but you know they're eventually uh yeah you air it out with with burrow i mean he's he's been on fire um that's what they should do doesn't like you said doesn't mean that they will do that um you know but i definitely I, I, i like it i like it I definitely think you're onto something and, you know, starting with the Bengals. I also think the Bucks are a good starting point for everyone to try and get correct. Just because you could go, you know, if we get Leonard Fournette back, absolutely. You could go uh, Fournette, 13 carries, seven and a half targets averaging per game in his last month before he got injured. The offense literally started just running through him. He was the engine. So, like, he's just an important part that, you know, step right back in the lineup if healthy and get all those touches. If healthy is a big concern. Uh, Mike Evans, it, I, I – and right now, if I had to guess, I did a show with the ship tracing crew earlier. And uh, on a Monday anyways, they're projecting, and we're all just educated guessing. It's only Monday, so we'll see what the fields do. We'll get some more uh, conversations going, and we'll know what everyone's going to lean for the most part. But right now, they're projecting Mike Evans to come in like significantly less roster than either Fournette or Gronk, Gronk being the most popular among the Bucks. And like Evans, if that's the case, Evans is pretty much one of my conviction plays. Um, we He's only had a... 18.7% target share yesterday as he was chasing incentives, but he played the fewest snaps he's played in the full game all year and was Tampa Bay's only receiver with any amount of end zone targets. He hasn't reached a 28% target share in any game this year because he was playing with Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. Like the targets needed to be dispersed. And so now like in the playoffs as an every snap receiver, we're going to see potentially like a 35 plus percent target share since we have yet to see him play a full game without Godwin and Brown. And so like, I'm, I'm pretty excited if we get Evans going overlooked, like I think he's genuinely one of the best plays and a better play than Gronk in a vacuum. Hmm. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, I think that the tight end position is basically just me like Kelsey. I think Kelsey and Gronk are like the two best plays 
at least in my opinion. So if, if you're looking at a lot, like a heavy, higher percent owned Gronk, you know, then like, yeah, I think that you're probably going to get Evans, uh, you know, underlooked and Brady's going to draw some ownership as well. So I was leaning more Gronk. Um, he was locked in uh, for me, but uh, I, you know, kind of been bouncing back and forth a little bit with Evans. So that's, that's, that's interesting. Is there, when y'all sit down and discuss it, is there a certain way y'all go about the two teams that you don't use? Um, and like, do you throw away kickers? Use one of them? Because like, I imagine, I think since recency bias plays a part in it as well, I think Daniel Carson will probably be the most rostered kicker. And in that case, that's, that's like stupid. I'm not going to play yeah. Daniel Carson. Yeah. But um, yeah, is there, is there something, is there a major point y'all discuss when saying, okay, we're just not going to use these two offenses and hope for the best? Uh, I mean, I think that there's... Sorry, yeah. Yeah, I think that there's some, uh, like, I don't know, when I like, we kind of go through all the teams and build like a player player pool. But like, I mean, you can point to right now, like, I mean, the Patriots, there's like, you know, Damian Harris, like, there's like one usable guy, like, you know, like, there's like very, there's a couple of teams where it's like, they have how many usable guys do they have? And are they going to win that game? Because if they're going to win that game, you, you know, you kind of need to try and find someone, uh, you know, like, if you feel good about it, but if there's only like, like one usable guy, like, I think you can get away with trying to get a kicker a defense out of them or just not at all so that's like usually there's like four or five teams that are in that range um and i kind of narrowed down some of them but uh, i'm interested to hear uh joe like how you what your process is for that yeah that's it's tough honestly i, I think you just you just got to pick teams that you you know are going to be done but at the same time you know you don't want you don't want to be too you don't want to have the same as everybody else i, I don't know i I'm, I haven't really thought too much about it at the moment. I think Carlson is the guy I plugged in right away, so he's probably going to be, like you said, um, highest owned. Um, I don't know. It's 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 tough because you, you really only have to, you know, um, single out two teams. So there's not going to be two. You can't be too different, I guess. When we go through it together, I mean, usually we honestly do that last, right? Like we just pick the best players first, and then like the last few guys, it's usually like kicker, defense, and then like the other two teams. We kind of revisit those and then like if we feel like there's a better decision we may we do that otherwise it's kind of just like we'll leave them off yeah there's something to be said though i guess uh for picking maybe the lower own you know which which defense or kicker you think would be the lower owned of like maybe you're trying to pick between four teams um so you know dfs wise you never want to play the chalk defense the stuff like that so i guess that makes sense to um if you're you know trying to break a tie just pick the lower owned guy or the lower owned kicker or defense I mentioned, you know, mapping out the teams and what you think the bracket will be since you do want the most games played. You want to get your players to the Super Bowl in order to get those double points. Uh, but, Connor, do your, like, futures tickets, like, do you do you play anything with player props? Do that come involved? You know, you do essentially run with Ryan Noonan, the player prop bet Discord chat for 4 for 4. Uh, do any futures tickets come involved? Like, do you, do you play anything out? Um, with that in mind, when building lineups with Joe, uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, I think that like our, like one of our biggest stances last two years ago when we won was that I like I was like very confident. I was like, hey, like the Chiefs are going to make a run. Like you know, I was like had a big stance there that you know we were confident that the Chiefs were going to make a run. So I we made sure to put Patrick Mahomes in every lineup. We thought that Kelsey and Tyreek were good options, but we knew that they were going to draw a lot more ownership. We thought yeah. that if the Chiefs were going to win, then they would have to like would have to go through Mahomes just based on the way their team was set up. Uh, and so we really made it a priority to have him in our lineups. Um, and so like now, like, again, that kind of goes back to our basic strategy though, of just like finding conviction points, finding teams that we think are in a good spot. Uh, like this year in particular though, 
you're looking at not that many dominant teams. So, uh, you know, like having like a conviction on like the Bengals and like maybe Joe Burrow is that guy that you think that, you know, the Bengals are going to play three, maybe four games if they make it to the Super Bowl. Um, Like that could be, I mean, that's a massive spot to take a stand versus like a Higgins or, you know, Chase or, uh, you know, Boyd or Mixon. Joe, where does your thoughts go? And Connor, if you have thoughts on this as well, you can add to this on a player like Cooper Cup who uh, we know, especially losing Taylor, we know is probably going to now be the highest rostered individual. And worst of all, like if you're thinking about fading him, uh, let's say even if the Rams get one game, like is this is that situation, if you knew they were going to get one game, did not know the results though, would you still fade a player like Cooper Cup? And I think frustratingly enough for me when I think about it, I don't have a lean on it right now. Uh, I guess my lean would be to play him. But frustratingly enough, like there are no pivots Right, right. Like, uh, like you can't, have, you can't fade them. You can't. Since, since we no longer have Sony Michelle, like you can't go Sony Michelle or Cam Akers. Well, since we no longer have Sony Michelle, perhaps in a touch-based like workload, you can't really right. go Michelle or Cam Akers since we don't trust Cam Akers either. And you can't really go Odell Beckham over Cooper Cup since the ceilings are just vastly different. So, uh, right. yeah, I, I just go to a situation. Okay, well, I guess I have to play Cooper Cup. Yeah, the only the only way that, that could work out is that if they're one and done, and I can't see. You know, Sony Michelle, you know, outscoring Cup by that much, even if he did. So, I mean, you're if he scores a couple touchdowns and he has like a you know 100 yard game, um, you know, you you might get in a few points over Cup or something like that. But Cup Cup's expected values so in points are so much higher than than anybody else. It's just you know, I don't think it's worth it. So, um, I don't think you can fade Cup. Yeah, because I mean, you're looking at like Cup versus like someone on the Raiders or someone on, you know, like, I mean, you know, like the Patriots or, you know, Steelers or, I mean, like the, there's all those teams that where you're kind of looking at, like, do I play a player from this team? Do I play a kicker? Do I play their defense? I think the Rams almost kind of fall into that range with just like how limited their options are, to be honest. And it's basically just like cup or, you know, cup defense or kicker for me, to be honest. If, if this was like DFS, cup would be basically like a lock button player. I mean, if you wanted to do – you know, out home, if you got a ton of money to blow, you could probably, you know, throw in a couple um, alternative options. But, man, I, I don't think you could feel comfortable uh, with your money on the line going against, you know, Cup. I don't I don't think you mm-hmm. could really gain much. When two of you are strategizing and mapping out, like, the bracket for players, uh, is there a particular situation everyone should be looking for that you should be fading players? Not like a Cooper Cup and someone else, but just like, you know, a, a perhaps upset situation where, let's say, you know, if you play Cooper Cup, would you also play Kyler to get different, even though you're going to lose one of them? Like, is that something people should fear? Uh, what about players against defenses? Is that a contrarian way or is that just idiocy? Uh, is there something in particular you're looking up for matchups whenever you're fading players? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I I kind of like to look up, um, you know, especially like with, I guess, divisional, um, you know, the, the teams that are faced have a bye. Like if I don't, like with the Titans, say with the Bills, they're starting off, I think, Diggs has a pretty tough matchup starting out. That kind of might shift, you know, how you might think about it a little bit. If if you if you're not sure they're gonna they're gonna advance um, in the first week, uh, that would be something to consider. If they have a pretty tough matchup and you're not you're not really sure if that's like a tiebreaker, but I, I don't I don't know. It's kind of more so you just want to go back to the beginning, just taking conviction and taking stands on on guys. Um, I don't know, Connor. Do you have a, a better a better lean on that? Um, I think that uh, it's worth noting actually about um, like the because you lose a player, you know, or you lose if you say you like lose a player in the first round, right? So like 
two years ago um, or three years ago, the one of the teams that won actually had Deshaun Watson at quarterback, and they lost in the first round. Uh, and he, but he had a great matchup in week, you know, whatever that week, like made it close. But they were the team was still able to win because he scored like twenty five points. And even though they lost the quarterback, which you would assume is the most important position in this contest, um, like it's basically been shown over the last few years that you don't need the quarterback uh, position. You just need, like, I mean. You need to get you do need to do really well elsewhere. Um, but the point is that basically, like, you can afford to lose other positions if you think that they have like a good enough matchup, which Watson did at that point. So uh, I do take into account matchups, but it's at the same time, like, you don't really know who's going to play who. Like, you can't really project it too much. I think it's more important to understand what player usage looks like in different like game scripts and like how teams win. Um, so you know, we talked about it a little bit with the Bengals. Like Joe kind of touched on it earlier and said. Like, oh, like the Bengals, you know, in, in high-paced games or like, you know, high-scoring games, like they need to lean on Burrow. And we saw that towards the end of the season. We saw that against the Chiefs. But in games where the Bengals are dominant, like we saw against the Steelers, we saw it against the Raiders early on in the season, like Mixon is very dominant because they're able to like, you know, handle the ball 20-something times. They don't need to use Burrow. I think they understand that. But like if the game is on the line, I think at the end of the day, they're probably going to use him. So like what Joe said, like if they end up playing the Chiefs the next round and they beat the Chiefs, like – I mean, you're absolutely cooking with gas uh, with a guy like Burrow. Yeah, and I guess if you were to play the other side of it, like the Bengals, if you thought that they were going to maybe advance or um, lose week one or something like that, Mixon, Mixon might be okay. Or if you think they're just going to be one and done, Mixon you know, might be all right to, to go. But if you're going to think that they're going to advance more, then you, you probably would want to go via the air. I think Buffalo is a good good conversation. We've talked a lot about the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Oh, like Buffalo, like Diggs, as you mentioned, tough, like a little bit of a tough matchup here. I mean, he had – uh, I think it was four for 51 in his first matchup against the Patriots, seven for 85, one against the, the second time. But I'm sure that he's going to be, you know, pretty highly owned there. I mean, if you're not playing Josh Allen, like it's, I would say it's going to be digs and another high chunk. And then Singletary might get some more uh, ownership, but uh, I don't know. I, I still think that digs might be kind of like the, the second highest guy there. So I think that's an interesting decision point as well, especially if they lose. Like, I mean, they they're very very well could lose to the Patriots. That's just like three point favorite. So Dago, last year you really really um, you had a really strong stance on Josh Allen, I believe, in the in this challenge. Um, and this year with with Diggs, are you still or I heard you were lower on the Bills now uh, in this playoff matchup. How how do you feel about that? Um, well, I, I just think it's one. That? I think it's one where if the Bills were upset. It would not shock me at all since the Patriots have historically had their number. It took this like one pass matchup for Josh Allen to finally uh, buck that trend since Bill Belichick had previously haunted him for a 55% completion rate. And I think the number before this game was uh, 5.7 yards per attempt. He just had performed so poorly. Not only that, but um, I think the weather is going to be more clear in this game, maybe uh, to like 24 degrees, which, you know, living in Chicago now doesn't seem that bad. Uh, especially when you walk out now and it's nine degrees and I'm just in tears already. I actually bought, by the way, Connor, side note, I bought Yak Tracks um, running shoes for ice because that's how Chicagoan I am now. Um, so, are you cl- so are you officially official now? You said living, so I'd never heard you claim. I living He's claiming in Chicago. Chicago Bre- breaking case. fantasy playoff news. I am wow. living in Chicago now. Yes. Wow, this is bigger than the playoff challenge. This is huge. This is huge. I'm all, I'm all grown up. Settling and, down and grown, yeah, growing up. And it's and far too cold here. It is far too miserably cold here. I don't know yeah. what the hell I'm doing in life anymore. Uh, but nonetheless, no, I, I think like we've also seen four games now, four snow games from Josh Allen this year, and he was terrible in all of them. Uh, including the first Patriots matchup. These past two games have been snow games. Uh, errant decision-making against the Falcons secondary that 
was like COVID stricken, had just been riddled with absences in their starting units. And Allen threw three picks and two of them were just absolutely horrible decisions to throw the ball anyways. And this past week, when it was a one score game uh, against the Jets, and it took them for the second week in a row, just leaning on Devin Singletary, who scored in the final 830 of that game. So overall, like, I wouldn't say I'm like down on Josh Allen, but it would not be shocking if we lose the Bills in the first round, given how well the Patriots have performed against them. And so, yeah, I, I, that's why I kind of – it's just hard, though, because it is three players in my mind. Um, no one's going to play Hunter Henry with all, the, with all the tight end options, but I think Hunter Henry's in play. And then – Ramondre got injured this past week, but also returned to the game. So we'll have to see how he's, if, whether he's banged up or not. If he is banged up, Damon Harris is an awesome play. I will definitely play him. Those are kind of the three guys I'm at right now. And I still think pivoting from Allen and Diggs to Devin Singletary is more than viable, trying to soak up touchdown equity no matter how far the Bills go. How do you feel about the Chiefs? Because they are before this whole Tyreek Hill heel injury i was really thinking the chiefs were going to be you know properly probably make the super bowl again but i don't know it, it really causes a lot of confusion for me because they got so you, it seems like you lock in kelsey because if you play hill and he's and he's hobbled then you're all, you can't really play mahomes either because then if, if hill's hobbled then you can't really play mahomes so kelsey seems like a, as big of a lock as he's ever been um i don't know I, i'm not i don't know if i'm really loving the chiefs right now well also like the way the the chiefs have run their offense for the second half of the season um mahomes doesn't scare you now, like now you want to get him you want those double points if they make the super bowl but overall like mahomes what went over 300 yards twice since week 10 <clears throat> one of right. them was against the raiders that five touchdown game on sunday night which it was the raiders like that was by the way, if they tied the Chargers, that they were that was the game they were heading towards, the Chiefs game, and that would have been an absolute disaster for the Raiders. Where you know at least the Bengals, they're they're somewhat live because uh, the mm-hmm. Bengals play calling, as we've seen time and time again this year, could easily uh, just go the wrong way and be the wrong strategy. And then the other time was um, in that Chargers blow up on Thursday night that it took Derwin James getting injured in the first quarter for the wheels to really come off on defense, and then Mahomes started throwing deep more since the Chargers weren't able to play a strong two safety look. So yeah, I'm honestly just as I've been in DFS like the past two months, I'm really just not scared of Mahomes in these contests since you know now all of his production is he leads the league since week nine in production after the catch because he just dumps the ball off now and they get yak and that's just fine. That's why Tyreek Hill hasn't been an explosive option. Tyreek Hill is injured now, by the way. Uh, the only the only exception is yeah, if Tyreek Hill's out, then Travis Kelsey, in my opinion, yeah, you you have to. Like you said, Joe, you have to play Travis Kelsey because yeah. that's who the number one receiver is. <clears throat> Nicole Hardman led them in routes this past week, but Nicole Hardman just doesn't have the same like ceiling that Tyree Gill has in the, in the odd chances he blows up. So I'm not really worried about Hardman. Uh, CEH, we could see him return, but also remember while leading the team in carries, Daryl Williams is still involved on passing downs alongside CEH. So that would be the only pivot for me. But I would say, yeah, I have to Williams play. Williams' toes banged up too. So, like, he yes. had an injured toes. So, I mean, you can't really play a running back. Um, Hill, and then you got to hope that Hill's, you know, healthy. But like you mm-hmm. said, 18% of the snaps um, last week. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. And if Hill's not doing that well, then I don't know. The Chiefs are in trouble. And I wonder how much we'll have practice reports. I just wonder how much reporting we'll get on that injury since I know. you know mm-hmm. we didn't even get reporting on it 
There's a lot of injury news, honestly, that we could be talking about. It's the most I remember playing these formats for like the last five years or so. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can't recall all the questionable situations that we were waiting on injury reports for. And if you're curious, by the way, everyone, um, I already put the tweet out this morning, like going through everything at Najee Daigle, the injuries that I am sitting on and we are watching for reports are all right there. Um, We've talked about all the overarching strategy I think we need to do, especially when just wetting our chops on a Monday. And that's why I wanted to bring you on to go through these situations. But right now at the end of the show, I just want to ask, and I know it's early, y'all still need to sit down and talk about this as well. Uh, Are there any conviction fades for you when looking over the slate? I think we know the the handful of players right now that the field are going to be gravitating to. Uh, Devontae Adams, Derrick Henry, List goes on and on. We saw reset Gronkowski, um, but yeah, is there is there one player in particular that both of you are going to enter your chats as the week goes on and say, Joe Connor, like I don't want this individual. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's tough. I guess at this point, it, I think it's really difficult. Um, maybe a guy like I think a guy like Darren Waller might get more love than he should, uh, just because he's like you know his name brand, but he didn't really. Uh, I don't think he was 100% last time we saw him. And, you know, like, I just think he might get, might be a little bit overowned relative to, like, what is actually going to happen. And I think that, as I mentioned, I think the Bengals win. So you're looking at a one and done situation for a guy that's going to be heavily owned, could very well wind up with only, like, you know, a couple of catches unless he gets healthy here uh, in a big way. Uh, another guy, I think, um, like, I mean, I don't really know what kind of ownership, like, a guy like Najee Harris is going to get. But, uh, you know, I think that he could see a little bit more than he probably deserves, you know, as whatever 13 point underdogs against the, the, uh, the Chiefs. So I think that that's, it's a really tough spot for him. So I, I think that a guy like him is someone that I have not zero interest, but uh, I mean, not much interest. He basically has to score a touchdown or catch like six or seven passes for him to pay off, which I guess is certainly in, in play the six or seven passes. But I mean, that's like not a bet that I'd love to take when you can just plug Deontay Johnson in or, you know, a kicker maybe if you, if you really want to get bold there. I, um, I also say, um, just like last year, I was touting him heavily. I do like Chase Claypool as a one-and-done player again. Uh, we saw his route participation progress in five consecutive games to close the season, including this past week when he played a season-high 91% of snaps and ran a route on 96% of dropbacks. So uh, thinking they're going to be in heavy negative game scripts and that we're going to lose the Steelers, I don't want to get on Najee Harris. I think, I think I'm going to be playing Claypool over Deontay Johnson on a Monday at least. Yeah, for me, uh, I agree with Connor on the first one with Waller. I don't know where he's going to come in at, but um, you know he's coming off an injury, and you know um, he also or he also is just coming off of COVID too. And usually, as you know, Daigle, or as you've pointed out before, not too high on guys coming off of COVID. So mm-hmm. um, I think he's an easy fade for me. Um, you know, obviously he could, he's a he's an awesome player and could could you know crush in one game or or even more than one game. But I'm pretty comfortable fading Waller with those two things um, to consider. I also don't know what to do with C.D. Lamb. Um, I'm really – he's been – really his usage has been up and down. Um, the Cowboys are kind of a tough team team to figure out. Um, so C.D. Lamb, the, the passing attack is kind of tough to figure out um, right now. Um, so I'm kind of wondering about – about fading CD Lamb possibly, even though he's you know really really talented. I don't know what to think about the whole Elijah Mitchell Mitchell thing that you guys brought up earlier. He's definitely looks looks great um, running the ball, but he's got getting next to nothing in in passing game usage right, right now. So I'm kind of thinking fading Elijah Mitchell as well, um, just because you know you also have Debo Samuel in the mix. So Samuel 
getting a little run, you know, as a running back as well as a receiver. And hey, throwing the ball last week as well. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not super high on on Mitchell. I thought I would be, but I was kind of looking into it. I'm not sure if I'm loving Elijah. We might have, we might have to fight on him. I kind of yeah, like we him. will fight on that. I want to <laughs> fight about a couple of things. Now. I want to fight about that. You know. uh, hey, we got Raheem Mustard right that one time. Let's just let it go, Connor. Let's just. Y'all got Raheem Moster and y'all got uh, Dalvin Cook, right? Right. That was, yeah. uh, that was a sure. good year. Um, but with that, Connor, anything you would like to plug upcoming this week before we get out of here? Uh, nope, not really. I mean, we got our, our Move the Line show uh, at 4 for 4. It's a betting show. We'll break down all of the our favorite bets from this weekend's game as well as our prop show on Friday. I'll bring down our favorite player prop bets. So you can tune in uh, to that at Move the Line NFL on Twitter. Pano, what about you? Anything coming up this week or for the rest of the postseason to look out for? Are we done? I had more questions. <laughs> Ask. The, the, uh, the, wait, your, your flag plant earlier is Zeke. What are we thinking about Zeke right now? Well, <laughs> Zeke was my flag plant. And he was I'm not awesome. even kidding. I'm serious. And No, no, no. And, and he was awesome uh, early part of the year. Very clearly playing through injury now. Um, finally exceeded 80 yards for the first time on the ground since week five this past week. Too. But that, of course, was because the Eagles were playing their second stringer, so we don't weigh that that much. Yeah. Uh, what's happening right now, it's only Monday, but right now is that everyone is like figuring out which receiver to play. You mentioned CeeDee Lamb. I think he's going to get steamed just because it's the sexier name over Amari Cooper. Um, and the choice is between Lamb, Schultz, and Cooper. Or no, Lamb, Schultz, and Zeke. I just think people are only playing Zeke, though, hoping for the touchdown equity, um, not really the ceiling. And so, like, Zeke is fine, but I'm honestly so worried about that matchup. I kind of I kind of just like trying to pick the Cowboys as my one-and-done team. And so, like, I think I might lean Schultz or Cooper instead. Cooper, who right now I would say is like 8 to 12%. Lamb, I think, is going to come in significantly higher. And Zeke is only coming in so other people don't have to play the receivers. And so, yeah, I like Schultz. Uh, or a kicker, the Cowboys, Zerline, over Zeke right now. Yeah, that's it's a tough one. Um, I've kind of been going back and forth. Just Schultz, Schultz looks pretty good when you're when you're looking at everything. But I have in my first lineup, I have quite a few tight ends already locked in. So yep. um, I kind of I have Zeke. I plug Zeke in, and it feels disgusting. But Pollard, uh, you know, tears was uh, plantar fascia in week twelve or something like that. Um, you know, he's, uh, my heart wanted to play Pollard, but I was looking at, you know, it was like, no way. Um, Zeke, Zeke is kind of a gross, gross one, but, um, I don't know. I'm having a hard time parsing through the Cowboys. I, I would not play Zeke at 40 plus percent. And I think he's going to be 40 plus percent. Oh you no. So? Hard fade at 40 plus percent. You think, think, oh yeah. I, if if I that's think, the case, definitely not, but I, I, I could be wrong. I We're going to watch throughout the week. That's why it's kind of hard to talk about micro on a Monday. Uh, yeah, but yeah, right yeah. now I think he's getting a lot more interest than I thought as well. Okay. Well, hey, you've done a, a previous pod and stuff with the ship chasing guys. So if that's the case, I'd probably uh, probably pivot for and, sure. And that's because, like we talked about at the beginning, this is a tight end wide receiver postseason. Uh, the running backs are hard to come by, which is why Derrick Henry will naturally, even coming off foot surgery. I don't know how I feel about Derrick Henry. I kind of yeah. want to go A.J. Brown instead. Um, Derrick Henry naturally is going to get 80 90% because he's like literally one of the only ones we have confidence in. And right now that technically, I guess, isn't injured, but also he is injured. Uh, Zeke also not that's injured, gonna be tough. injured. Running, gonna be back, tough to running back is a, it's a major point. And that's why it's so tough right now to parse through the running backs. Are we even going to have any kind of confidence in Henry's status before lock? I mean, like, how can we, how can we have too much confidence in that? I don't know what, what the ownership is going to be like. That's going to be a tough one. 
and he wasn't cutting this past week at practice either. So I don't like I I don't know fresh off foot surgery and mm-hmm. twenty carries. Even if he gets those twenty touches, how, like how's it going to go? Uh, Cam mm-hmm. Akers, you know, had eight touches and got thirteen yards. He didn't look good at all. And it's like, yeah, because you know this is an awesome story, <laughs> but you brought him back way too early. So yeah. I, I'm just really worried about you know an eighty percent running back off foot surgery, and rightfully so. Yeah, it sounds like you might need to think about Zeke. I don't is know. there any other questions <laughs> on the bottom of that notepad that you keep looking over at? <laughs> what was that? Are there any other questions at the bottom of your notepad that you keep looking oh. at? <laughs> no, man, I'm just excited to talk to you guys. I, I didn't want to cut it off, but no, I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for this. So, yeah. Well, we let uh, we'll let everyone, including ourselves, get back to the national championship game yeah. since we did schedule this overlapping accidentally with it. But nonetheless, thank you for all for tuning in. More importantly, thank the both of you for jumping on the show, and we'll again we'll still text each other. Yeah, we'll talk thanks about for having us. Thanks goes for on. Us. Um, not only will we talk with each other, but more content coming out on the site. I will have my playoff only rankings that I will adjust through Friday evening on the site. Hopefully by Wednesday morning, I'll include injury notes and what's going through my mind and having some cherry and options ranked higher because I'm ranking for the entire fantasy postseason. And thus I'm ranking some, what I believe to be intelligent cherry and options over some chalk options. So those rankings will be on the site on Wednesday. Plus, we will have our fantasy playoff preview for the first round, at least, on Thursday afternoon. So tune into that. Until then, though, Joe, Connor, really appreciate y'all jumping on with us. And uh, we will all talk very soon. Good luck to everyone out there. And play Joe Burrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.